After betrayal, so many women get stuck for months or even years and aren't sure what to do, who to turn to, or what their next step should be. That's why I'm excited to tell you about the Betrayal Healing Conference. I'm one of over 25 speakers at this conference, and for five days, April 10th through the 14th, we will guide you toward healing, empowerment, and freedom. The goal of the conference is to get you off the emotional roller coaster, gain confidence, and figure out your next steps. And this conference is specifically for women who have experienced sexual betrayal. So whether you've just found out about his acting out, your marriage is healing, or you're divorced and picking up the pieces, there will be something here for you. You'll hear interviews about disclosure and rebuilding trust and healing from shame. And if, for example, I'm going to be talking about how to heal your relationship while you're still trying to figure out how to heal yourself. And I'll be speaking alongside some amazing speakers like Marsha Means, Dr. Jake Porter, Michelle Mays, Dr. Steffens, uh, Dan Drake. There's so many great speakers included in this conference. And I'd love to tell you more about the details, but just go click on the link in the show notes and you can get all the details for yourself. So I've put a link in there that will give you a free ticket to this conference. And when you grab that ticket, you'll have the opportunity to upgrade to the all access pass. This pass will allow you to watch the videos and listen to the presentations for one year after the conference. So you don't have to try and cram them all in in five days. I hope you'll join us. It's going to be an amazing event. I spoke at it last year and the response has been so fantastic. So click on the link in the show notes and we'll see you there. Welcome to the podcast from crisis to connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Welcome. It's good to be with you once again. We want to tell you about a free video course you can download today called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This is a course that supports the person who's been betrayed by broken trust, the person who broke the trust, as well as the couple. Yeah. This is a complicated thing. There's a lot of questions and a lot of messiness, and we wanted to create a resource for couples to be able to have a roadmap, some first steps, just a framework to begin this process. You can download this free video series by putting in your email using the link below in the show notes. We hope it's supportive to you on your recovery journey. Yeah. All right. So today we're going to talk about something messy. Of course, that's yes. kind of what we talk about on a <laughs> you podcast count on that from us, don't called you? <laughs> From Crisis to Connection. And so this is very nuanced. There's a lot of, you know, strong feelings about this for a lot of people, but we want to dive into it and explore it. And this is the idea that in dealing with a couple who's recovering together, who's healing from broken trust, there's often a dynamic that comes up with betrayed partners where they'll say things like, and I'll just use the kind of standard arrangement that we often work, that I work with a lot in my practice, which is the husband's the one rebuilding the trust and the wife is the one who's been betrayed. And so we're going to just frame it this way. Okay. So... Basically, when the person who broke the trust is basically trying to express some needs, they have yeah. emotional needs, they have a request, they have a, a desire, a longing, some sort of thing they want to share with the person they betrayed. And the person who's been betrayed, the wife is just like, 
I can't care. About I can't you handle right that. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. hear that. I can't. I'm sorry, handle you it. need something. Yeah, like your needs don't really have any sort of place. And then, of course, it's not uncommon for the guy then to feel abandoned or to feel unimportant uh-huh. or to feel hurt by that. And now, and I've seen lots of cases where some guys will even start to say, "Well, now you've betrayed me." Oh yeah. And they feel so hurt. They feel so invisible and feel rejected. And then, of course, most people, most the women in these situations are not wanting to be mean or jerks. They're not trying to hurt someone. Mm-hmm. They're just being honest with the fact that they have a diminished capacity to even hear or care about this right now. And they're trying to communicate that. And it puts the couple in more crisis. Mm-hmm. Well, and technically they might be wanting to hurt him. That's happened too. Mm-hmm. In my experience, it's less common though. Okay. In my experience, it's more like they almost feel torn like there's that reflexive part of them that wants to care about somebody in pain, especially the person that they love and Mm -hmm. they care about who's also hurt them and creates this real dilemma of like, yes, my initial reflex that I signed up for as your partner is to care about your pain. Yeah. But I'm in so much pain because of what you did that that's broken. I don't know how to get there. I can't care about it. I don't have the capacity for it. And maybe that can't care about it isn't really accurate. Maybe it's more accurate to say like, I can't do it all the ways I used to because that partially got us into this mess and I don't even know what to do now. Yeah. There can be that too, where there's there's maybe patterns in the relationship where there's been a lot of- Like a lot of caretaking. Caretaking or enabling. That can happen too. Yes. And sometimes even if the dynamic was, you know, wasn't necessarily problematic before, just the pain of the betrayal mm-hmm. can diminish, you know, her capacity oh, yeah. to care about it. Yeah. Even if I've, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. We wanna we wanna talk about what do you do in a situation like that? How does a couple navigate this really difficult dynamic where somebody is is having probably an actual need? Sometimes it's manipulative, sometimes it's a way yeah. and we, we're gonna talk about that. Yeah. But a lot of the times it's coming from a place where they're feeling something. Mm-hmm. They're feeling something and they want to be able to have like someone care about it. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you shut them down? Yeah, that's a good. I mean, I think in degrees of honesty, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if she is at capacity with the hurt in the relationship because of the betrayal and possibly the care that's needed for other children or relationships at work or just to keep life moving while all of this is going on, she might not be able to take that on. Mm -hmm. So I think that's legitimate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There might be an acknowledgement of it. There may be, you know, she might have enough bandwidth just to say like, I see that you're hurting. I don't have a lot to offer right now. Right. Or she may not even be able to say that much. Mm -hmm. You're right with all the other things going on. Mm -hmm. Or I see that you're hurting. (laughs) <laughs> that's the most I can do yeah. is just see that that affects sometimes, you. Yep. Sometimes that's it. Mm-hmm. I think at the core of this, it's really about, you know, a lot of, a lot of couples get into this, you know, debate even about, does he have a right to even have needs? Does he have a right to feel things? Does he have a right to have a request? Well, I mean, I think we all have a right to have needs, and feelings. but at the same t- yes, and feelings, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we don't have a right on either side to require that person to respond to us in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so when I have a real need and I come to somebody that's overextended, that they are at capacity for me to ask more of them in that regard, like I, they, I can't have expectations there. Yeah. So there's, right. There's two. And so whether that's him or her, then I just think that's legitimate. Yeah. It's a hard thing. And, And this is why early on for couples, 
when they're dealing with broken trust, you know, we often talk about building a support system right out the gate. Right. With people who are not your partner. Yeah. People who aren't compromised, who Mm -hmm. aren't so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Because it really then addresses, like you said, the human need to have feelings, to have needs, to have experiences. We don't want to shut that down. No. That needs to be validated, acknowledged, seen. Even if someone's totally done a really hurtful thing that's injured his wife and he's really, you know, been a turkey about a lot of things and just really hurt some, you know, broken a lot of things, there still is space for him to be able to talk about what's happening for him. Uh And that really does matter. He needs to be able to get in touch with his own feelings, talk about it, Mm -hmm. share it. Yeah. He has his own healing process. Uh Mm -hmm. It's just oftentimes early on, initially going to have to be with someone else. And that's challenging. And not every couple's like that. Some couples are able to talk to each other about what's happening for them. That's more rare though. Mm-hmm. That's more rare though, because just because there's so much pain in the room. Well, and, and I, I'm guessing that it's more rare also because of the nature of the betrayal that the recovering partner has done so much in terms of numbing and organizing things in the relationship around their needs. Mm-hmm. That and then it just goes underground and gets secretive and messy. And so then after that comes out to then say, but yeah. I need when there's a, there's been this like twisted way of trying to get your needs met in all these ways. That's right. No, that's a great way to put it. They've been getting their needs met right outside of the relationship. Mm-hmm. They've not been coming directly to their partner when conditions were better. Yeah. And asking for what they needed. It's like it can feel too little too late. Mm -hmm. Almost like, well, you've been getting your needs met through this addiction or through this affair or through these other places, spending money or secrets or hiding or whatever you're doing, even though technically none of those things were actually meeting their needs, right? which is why it can also feel so urgent. Like, well, I've got tons of needs too right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's exactly right. And so the needs that the betrayed partner have right now are often about initially, especially are often just really around emotional stability around uh-huh. accountability, around having stability, around getting rid of the chaos. And if the person who broke the trust, if they can't provide any support in those areas, those needs can't matter, at least to her. Let me give a right. quick example. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let me give a quick example. It's like if you hit someone with your car who's crossing the street innocently. Yeah. And you pull over and you, you're horrified that you've hit him with the car, but the whole time you want to talk about how you've always had a good driving record and you're a good person and you really want them to see that like you really didn't mean to and that you've also got to get somewhere too. And so can't they care about where you've got to go and that, you know, at least you didn't hit them as hard as other people have been hit. And right. right. I mean, that would That's just such a great example. That'd be the most ridiculous conversation because the only need in that moment, the yes, only need. There is a triage of needs here. Right. The priority is to take care of the person who's been injured. So needs do have to be prioritized. They do. They do. Early on. Uh-huh. And that's okay. And there might be a support group out there using my example. There might be a support group or that person could go talk to a therapist or somebody and say all their needs and they're they're overwhelmed with hitting this person. And they, sure. they need to be that's able to legit. talk through their experience because they they're overwhelmed. Uh-huh. But, but not to the person not laying on the ground. To the person that they hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or to their family or, you know. Right. It's really critical to get that order right. Yeah. And even to take it a step further, 
maybe for the the person who who was driving the car to get to a place of emotional stability so that they could have a conversation with the person that they hit and listen to what it was like for them and acknowledge how it's changed their life and how hard their road has been because of that incident. Right. I think all of those things would have to happen before the injured person would have any sort of care or capacity to hear the other person's needs. Mm-hmm. And so when, when rebuilding trust, the need for expressing feelings and all that other stuff, that is a very real human need and there's room for it generally somewhere else. Yeah, just somewhere else. Because what needs to happen in, that, in the relationship is that the recovering partner needs to practice emotional stability, mm-hmm. possibly for the first time. Right. And to extend that emotional stability over to the betrayed partner. Yes. So the betrayed partner often will feel guilty or feel pressured into not being a nice person or a caring person or a loving person or not caring about the marriage or not. Yeah. And truly like that can really be a head game and that can be so damaging and it becomes abusive and controlling and manipulative when they're pressured to be in that position. It's not helpful. Right. And it does way more damage. So nobody is denying the recovering partner's need to be a human and have feelings. Mm -hmm. I can't say it enough. It's okay to for the betrayed partner to deny access to all their compassion and care about their pain in those early, you know, those early recovery days, weeks, months. Yeah. And I think that if someone is really truly accountable and cares about the impact they've had and they're getting that emotional stability and they're starting to see and the numbing's wearing off and they're recognizing how they've affected another person, I honestly don't think that they I think they would understand or wouldn't want that the betrayed person to carry all that. Mm-hmm. I think that they would be able to start to see that. And to me, that's a good sign of healing. Yeah, absolutely. Where they're not putting that pressure on them. They recognize, they're deferential and they recognize it's okay for me to take a back seat. It's okay for yep. my needs to, to wait. And if you do that authentically, if you can really, as the recovering partner, put your needs in the back seat for a little bit, then it will encourage more healing for your partner. and you can see them come around and your needs will matter. Yeah. Let me share another nugget here that just, that I just uh, remembered. In my experience, a lot of the flurry of needs from the recovering partner, the person who broke the trust early on, a lot of those needs are generally about their own shame, Mm -hmm. their need to be seen as a good person, their need. They're more anxious. They're more more Uh self-centered. Or a need to maintain a level of control. I need you to buy into this. I need you to like, I don't want to have to face this. I don't want to hurt. Yeah, I don't let's want, so keep doing this dance so uh-huh. we all remind, remember so the how needs, good a person The I needs am. are really not generally like deep, vulnerable needs that they have been sitting on forever. They're usually in reaction to being exposed, mm-hmm. being caught, being vulnerable, being accountable. And there's a lot of pain there. And so a lot of the times these needs can come out as pressure to get the other person to back off of their position, their need for safety, their need for accountability. And and if they stay with it long enough and they, they put their needs aside, they'll find that eventually those needs actually kind of dissolve as they do their own healing work. Yeah. <laughs> they don't exist yeah, anymore because they don't need somebody else. They've addressed to... their shame and they've addressed those things yeah. without having to dump it on their partner. Yes. Okay. There's All a right. lot here. Yeah. We could, uh, like any of these topics, we could keep going on and on and on, but we wanted to give you a place to start. nugget there. And so whatever position you're in, whether you're the recovering partner trying to rebuild trust or the betrayed partner, 
Hopefully you've been able to hear something in this that will give you some foothold, a way to start understanding your own experience and hopefully promote some more healing. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for joining us today. We love to have you here and uh, we hope to see you back next time. Yep. See you next time. <laughs>